Hello, and welcome to Think Fit, Be Fit podcast and podcast network, where we are dedicated to effective thinking for potent exercise. Our goal is to inspire self-led fitness with the principles of critical thinking, exercise science, and how to think outside of the box of pop fitness culture. My name is Jennifer Schwartz. I'm the hostess and creator of this podcast network. I believe that if we can look at the undertones of fitness, not only what we see on commercials, memes, or pre-written programs, but what what's going on underneath the surface that we can gain a true physical education and be successful with our health and fitness goals for the long term. Please support this podcast by signing up for our newsletter at thinkfitbefitpodcast.com. This is where you can dive deeper with us. We offer a unique view on muscles, strength, and portals to like new ways of respecting the body and health. Learning and enjoying the process is a buzzy term. We take learning seriously and want to take our listeners on that journey with us and through us. Extend your experience beyond this podcast interview by clicking on the links in the show notes. You can also support this podcast by leaving a review on iTunes. This is such a simple task and it will help us immensely. The co-host and I have spent decades in the fields of exercise science, academic exercise uh, research and teaching, as well as clinical exercise application. And like myself, I'm a business owner and see transformations every single day as a muscle activation technique specialist. And it is a huge honor to bring you guys this information, but it is our, one of our desires are, uh, to see this podcast reach thousands more people than it already is. But if you've already done those things, thank you so much. We definitely read your reviews and your feedback and your messages and your comments on Instagram, Facebook at thinkfitbefit underscore podcast. And they mean a lot to us. It really is wonderful to see the ripple effect of teaching you all how to embrace exercise science more in your everyday workouts. Truly, truly an honor. And thank you so much for even listening to a minute of these podcast episodes and for sharing them with your friends, with your family who are ready for upgrading their exercise or even one of our fun quotes uh, from our Instagram feed in your story. All of that. It means so much. Thank you. Thank you. So before we get to the episode today, which is an interview with myself and a colleague in Canada, his name is Grant Buchanan. I really am excited to share this with you guys, but real quick, our affiliates, we have an amazing affiliate, Ladder Sport. And this is the sports nutrition company that LeBron James started to fill the gap in what is available for like clean science-backed supplements for sports nutrition. And I've been uh, using the vegan protein as well as a little bit of the pre-workout. The next thing I'm going to try is their hydration product. They are wonderful and they are NSF certified, which is a big deal. So head on over to ladder.sport and use the code BFIT10 for your first order and get a discount. If you subscribe, meaning get to get multiple reoccurring orders, you'll get an even bigger discount. And that is a great step for, you know, having a sustainable, healthy life is being able to fuel it with like great products like Ladder. I wanted to conduct these interviews to to give you all an inside view of what an exercise professional does 
how they think, how they assess, how they live fit throughout their life. And I think this is important because I am dedicated to making this podcast and the education that comes from it, whether you engage with my business as a client in Virginia or virtually in our learning platforms or download one of our webinars, you can find those at impactyourfitness.net. And we are doing this to be an anti-influencer podcast. These are my goals, is to show you the real fitness industry and how we think. So I thought to start this off, it was really great to start with Grant because if you follow him on Instagram, he really just calls people out and is learning how to share with people that most of what's on Instagram about back squatting or how kettlebells are the best and if you have a back problem you have to do this exercise that type of binary thinking and like religious following yeah I'm talking to you kettlebell people is not helpful and he is calling people out so that's why I had to have him on the podcast and in fact you know we've never met but we have some similar qualifications which puts us in a very small corner of the fitness industry and speaking of my small corner of the exercise world these interviews are built on the very unique podcast series fitness for consumption if you haven't listened to them please check them out at thinkfitbefitpodcast.com slash f4c that's number four and Our goal with these is to help you take knowledge from 50 plus years of exercise science, kinesiology, human movement science, neuromuscular therapy or expertise, and apply it to your own exercise so that exercise can feel good, work well, and give you the freedom that comes from installing a strong system for working out and the freedom that comes from chronic exercise adaptions, which means being consistent. And this can help you in going to physical therapy, getting certifications for personal training, managing your health at any stage. All of this is very important stuff. And I encourage you to to listen to those episodes so that you really have a deep knowledge and understanding of how critical thinking applies. And then these conversations with Grant and the upcoming ones are showing you how it all comes together in the best way that we can, which is conversations about the ongoing nuances of fitness and exercise science. So in this case, knowledge is very powerful when it's applied with principle. The fitness industry has tried to convince you, us, everyone, that knowledge is a list of exercises and just counting reps and it's just not that is the old way to conduct your management of your body and now that we realize that exercise is medicine really a polypill for so many diseases and decreasing you know illness and death at, at any cause We have to see exercise as as a really big part of our bigger picture. So I really encourage you to check those episodes out and, of course, subscribe, review, like, do all the things so that this can get out to more people because our world needs better wellness care. We need better health care, and I think it starts with our own responsibility and taking on taking on our fitness as wellness as medicine as healthcare. So anyways <laughs> um very passionate about that. <laughs> but if you are a trainer, this 
is a great episode, especially if you have an absence of leadership in your professional life or are intrigued by being a true exercise professional, stepping up your game. If you are an exercise enthusiast who has a desire to have something more than motivation, this is a great conversation. We get in depth on that one. And athletic trainers and sports and uh, strength and conditioning professionals, if that's you and you are looking for more certifications that are available that don't involve speed ladders or kettlebells or Olympic lifting, this is a great episode because we discuss some of the new and um, some of the up, up and coming really good stuff in that field. And then, you know, just personally, I really love those conversations and I hope that you can hear how intrigued I am and challenged by our guest, Grant Buchanan. He uh, does, he, he really goes out there and challenges the status quo and on Instagram, really, and, <clears throat> and leading by example. So that's why I wanted to have him as the first interview in this series about the toolbox that we use in personal training. He challenged some of my beliefs and biases, and I thought that I needed that. I think all of us need to challenge our beliefs in the exercise world, and I want to give you comfort that it's okay to change your mind. I've changed my mind multiple times this year about how I conduct myself and teach clients and cue them and give them feedback because I believe the science is barely scratching the surface in this industry and that's what this conversation represents for me. So I really hope that it brings you some of that into your own thought process. You can hang out with me on Instagram at Jennifer Simone Schwartz and then of course the podcast at, on Facebook and Instagram at thinkfitbefitpodcast.com and then our guest Grant Buchanan is at Coach B-E-W-K and you'll see like just scroll through his post and how he challenges people and customizes exercise. It's really fun. It's really uncomfortable too. There's a lot of uncomfortable truths in how real customized exercise works. I'll just leave it at that. (laughs) My goal is to empower you. This podcast is here to empower you. And I think the rest of the fitness industry, their goal is just to keep you coming back and spending money. These are two very different goals, and I really believe in this mission and showing you a better way to conduct yourself in the multi-billion, million-dollar fitness industry. I hope to see you on social media and on the newsletter. Thank you so much, and have a great week. Enjoy this conversation with Grant Buchanan. And I've, I started the podcast, it's humble beginnings, <laughs> um, to just help my clients better understand potent exercise. Like I just truly believe in a real physical education. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I'm right there so I said, I'm going to get this off my chest because I'm tired of the same questions over mm-hmm. and over. And that's, and then that was like, I'm going to get my toes wet and just see what it feels like. And then it just became obvious that it was, I wanted it to be so much more. It was like, it just, I I bit on that so quickly. I was just so pumped and I've been pumped for two years. So, and I love, I love being pumped. So this is (laughs) great. Um, But the main thing is, that most most podcasts, fitness podcasts, are I would say a virtual circle jerk. Like oh, I, no, <laughs> I, um, 
you know, I, I just like, there's like a, a lack of critical thought in the exercise industry. It's definitely yeah. reflecting in our podcast production as a collective. Um, here and there, you know, you run into some good physical therapy ones that like understand strength training, which is by itself rare, just a physical therapist who understands strength um, and conditioning. And, um, you know, which in my opinion just makes them more relatable and they just understand a little bit more about like the N of one and being, um, you know, uh, customized in a, in their own way. Mm-hmm. So, um, one, one way that I just love, one of the reasons I love the podcast is to be able to show that there's a much more, there's a broader conversation and that the conversation is nuanced and it has to just continue. Mm-hmm. Um, and well, you came up for me, like visually when I was like, Oh, this is, this is going to be a great podcast guest it's because recently we've been ta- talking about functional training mm-hmm. and I say we, I also mean my, mostly my co-host. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, and, and that, I see, I'm seeing something similar from you is that it's just like, you need to redefine what function is. Um, yeah. So I think that's the good place to start. And I, I believe that you have an authority on this um, because you are doing it every day. Right. Yeah. And you talk about it in an, in a frank and um, I'd say eloquent. It, it's like, direct but sophisticated and i like it so that's why you're here it's definitely upset a few people but uh i find at the end of the day i can't i can't bullshit people because it's just that's what that's all that's all this industry does now especially social media yeah it's not my thing yeah yeah good congrats (laughs) congrats for being a a thinker congrats on being like it's tough yeah you know like even just bold enough to to say it right like um yeah i feel bad for those who are just kind of sitting there with their like sitting on their hands and looking at the fitness industry um and playing along and buying into um feeding clients bullshit instead of getting their own physical education and learning how to think for themselves so that brings me to all the letters behind your name because I I, I don't think we've ever met. Not really. No. Okay. I found you from <laughs> and uh, I liked the stuff that you were talking about and posting. So that was about it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, I think you know the, uh, there's an uh, a common thread between most of the people on the podcast and in my network my sphere and uh, that's also rts like that's a big one for me yeah um because and i've said this multiple times on the podcast um having those courses with tom purvis at the age that i did really influenced the way that i think the way that i communicate the way that i even view the world it's yeah 100 (laughs) i'm right there with yeah so really, I'm taking this opportunity, even with uh, multiple guests um, that are practicing and are, um, I don't want to say clinicians, but like clinical in the um, non-medical paradigm, like in the application of, and it within, like thinking about exercise as a toolbox and how, what that means, what it looks like. Uh, so yeah, I think it, that's, that's also one of the goals of this podcast in general, this episode. So, um, please introduce yourself and, uh, tell us about the letters behind your name. Uh, well, uh, my name is Grant Buchanan. I'm currently a personal trainer. Mm -hmm. Uh, big box chain is is called good life fitness in Canada. It's pretty much the biggest chain that you'll find in, uh, in our country. Um, so I've been a trainer for probably about 10 years and it was more so into like my second year where I had done a few weekend courses and I hadn't really found my niche kind of thing. And I wasn't really noticing like lasting things. And I was, I really was just kind of following what everybody else was doing. And it just 
I don't know, it seemed off to me. So I followed, uh, I was a big fan of Canadian bodybuilder Ben Mikulski growing up. He was, he was always my, cause he kind of, he changed it a little bit from the way that everybody else did. Uh, and then I saw that he was doing a lot of this, this different treatment. Um, and that's when I found Greg Roscoff was because he was doing, um, doing a lot of MAT on him as he was prepping for I think it was the 2013 Mr. Olympia. I think it was, mm-hmm. uh, that he qualified for. And it all looked really interesting to me because it was like it was specific muscle testing and it was like you could see how it makes the change and how he can contract better if he's on stage and just all these little things that really, really interested me. Um, So I searched it and I managed to find an internship in Toronto. So I signed up for that like almost immediately. And that was with Eric Seifert, who he's one of like probably my top three like influential people that I've ever met. Uh, Just getting to spend time with him for the the year long internship uh, was one of my favorite times just because it was just it really like I thought I knew anatomy before I got into it but then it just it totally turned it on its head and it's just it was uh it was really really interesting and I still do everything with with all of that to this day I put it in where it's applicable uh so after I took MAT that was when I looked into RTS because again it's all they're all kind of related people that are in MAT typically are not in RTS at the same time but because I saw some lectures from from Tom Purvis on the MAT website um, cause they linked him that pretty much mm-hmm. took me right into that course as well. Uh, so I took that course in Toronto as well with, uh, Etienne SLN. I hope I'm not butchering his, his name with the French speaking there, but he was also, that was probably like, I mean, I've done a lot of FRC stuff as well, which I'll go into, but mm-hmm. I think RTS was the course that it, it caused me to challenge my biases, which before that I, I didn't realize that I wasn't as open to that as I originally thought. Uh, as soon as I went into RTS and we went over just all everything RTS goes over, like biomechanics and just all these other kind of things, how to make exercises fit people and why, you know, you can't just throw something down on somebody and say that this is functional for every single person in the world kind of thing. It's um, it really opened it up and we had just really, really good discussions in those classes, totally open, like logical, critical thinking discussions. And like after that, that pretty much happened with every other aspect of life, like you said not even just exercise in general, but just everything, just learning how to take emotion out of things and just understand like, if you think critically and logically, let's have a rational discussion here. Yeah. And I think this is what's led me to how I post my stuff on Instagram is because it's just, I don't like the way this industry does things because unfortunately the stuff that gets all the traction is the stuff that shows people, if you have this problem, this is what's going to fix you mm-hmm. and let's lump you all in there together. And that's the stuff that kind of everybody buys in and I hate it. And, and it, I try not to be passive aggressive with my post, but that it, it's, it comes out because I can't, I, when you think critically and logically, you should understand that unless you have somebody right in front of you, you can't like find a dysfunction, like find a pain or whatever and tell them this is what you need. Yeah. Right. That's what really upsets me. So it was the RTS mindset that taught me how to do that really. Mm. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and be a cool kid here. I think we could make this movement like, <laughs> like that RTS, like going down to Oklahoma is like the fitness ayahuasca. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> 100%. Okay. Okay, cool. Um, there you go, podcast world. We are cool. <laughs> um, so, and then the other thing is, uh, you know, the critical thinking piece um, is something I reflect on and think about often. Um, I think it's a, a an injustice uh, as well that we don't have a more system-based, holistic-based view of the body. Um, mm. You know, I think like my dentist would say the same thing about orthodontics and airway health. I think my... Um, who else? Oh, my, my acupuncturist might have a similar shtick with, um, the microbiome, you know, he's probably sitting there like, man, we figured this out thousands of years ago. You guys are, (laughs) um, yeah. So that's, um, anyways, so yeah, the FRC I've, um, I'm curious about, I mean, Conceptually, it, it makes sense. Um, I love uh, for myself just playing with exercises and and feeling different tensions around my movement and around um, 
and in different exercises, but this seems to have a whole system to it. It's not just my, you know, s- sitting on my floor having some fun. Right. Yeah, <laughs> because it came up in another podcast with a um, a physical therapist, and uh, he's well-known in the sports uh, around uh, f- sports physical therapy in the Washington, D.C. area. And I said, what, you know, what do you think about that? And he said, well, end range of motion is a good thing to train. <laughs> and he kind of yeah. left it at that. What would you say? So it's one of those. <laughs> so, I mean, your end ranges are your end ranges for a reason, because that's essentially what your nervous system trusts you with. Right. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you can get into like active range of motion, passive range of motion, and all those kind of things. Um, but at the end of the day, the, the further your end ranges are, the safer you are, I guess I can say. Mm-hmm. If I have somebody who has like limited shoulder flexion and then they, you know, try to do things that they need to over their head because their end, r- end range is like something like here, but they need to go here, then your body's going to find another path to get there, right? That's when compensation comes into play. And compensation is not a bad thing. Like if, if the body didn't do that, we'd be broken all the time. Mm-hmm. It's more so when it does it too often, right? So it's like, training and range will give you further end ranges essentially is, is what it comes down to. And if you have deep end ranges of like things like hip flexion, shoulder flat, whatever it is, then potentially you've got a lot more places your body feels safe to go when life actively takes you there, but also when life passively takes you there, if you have to just end up somewhere, can you be safe if you go there? It's like in sports, I talk about it all the time now. It's like, ankle inversion seems to be the most injury prone place for basketball players, soccer players, all these kind of things, but that's a general motion of an ankle, but because nobody goes there, Mm -hmm. it becomes an injurious place because you never spend any time there, which means your nervous system gets no ability, no idea how to understand how to generate tension there. Mm -hmm. So you might not have an end range of what an ankle is turning into where they end up hurting themselves. But if you train those ranges and make those end ranges further, then if life takes you there, theoretically, because every tissue in the body will follow the principle of progressive overload, if you've trained those tissues, mm. if you go there, you should be okay. Yeah. But at least you'll have the option to, right? Yeah. Retweet. And then, um, well, the so let I have a kind of a critical thinking question to add to like get into about that, like going into ranges and training them. Um, and as to what we call functional, but also like, uh, tell us what the FRC is because it has come up before and people ask me about it. So, (laughs) so I mean, FRC, it's, it's a big system. Uh, there's a lot of different courses. FRC is essentially functional range conditioning, which is the intro to the whole system really. Um, which just kind of teaches just understanding just how it it breaks it down into human biology and what we were naturally selected to do and how we need to go about being those types of people. Like we weren't meant, like when we were naturally selected to do was to be hunters and gatherers. We weren't necessarily naturally selected to be heavy squatters and deadlifters and, and desk workers and car drivers and all these things that technology has advanced upon. So what we see nowadays typically is people are pretty poor human beings. So with FRC, it allows us to just kind of go in and kind of set, because again, there's FRC, which is your main course, which like I said, will teach all, all your pails and rails and things like that, which are just essentially end range isometrics of lengthened tissue and shortened tissue to increase end ranges of motion. Uh, essentially build on passive range. If you don't have passive, turn passive into active so on and so forth, but there's different types of isometrics, progressions like anything where you go into end range eccentrics, all these other kind of things, you just progress it as you go along. That was the initial one that I took. Uh, And then I took their assessment course, functional range uh, assessments, which allows you to go over standing tests with people and just see how well they move. And you combine that with rotational tests on tables. So you can see, like you can assess somebody's like hip flexion, like you can do hip cars. Cars are essentially just Uh, controlled articular rotations, which just allows you to ask somebody to see what your joint is physically capable of doing in space. Mm -hmm. So if you do like a hip car, you'll do hip flexion, hip abduction, internal rotation, extension, adduction, and then you reverse into extension, external rotation, abduction, flexion, and adduction across the body again. So it just explores the workspace for that joint. And it's a way of assessing like, what do you have? Where can you physically take your hip? And what else does your body like to use? Do you cheat? Do you borrow from other places? 
right? How well can you physically move a joint by itself? So you combine that with table tests and you look at rotational things like rotational capacity of a hip or a shoulder. Can that ball rotate in the socket? And just, and you essentially, you can combine a plan for a person from that point based on when you do your assessment, you find out, you know, what do they need to do on a daily basis? And then what do you, what do they want to be able to do? Mm. Uh, and then I also took their kin stretch course, which essentially is their group exercise uh, platform. Mm-hmm. It's tough to utilize it right now, given where, life is Mm -hmm. right. We don't really have groups. I can fit 10 people in my gym at a time and group X is not an option. So, uh, it's one of those things that you can't really do it, but it's a nice way of of learning the actual functional range systems, Mm -hmm. uh, for somebody who's never gotten into it before, regardless of who you are, I promise you, and a kin stretch class will humble you a lot when you see just what your joints are capable of at their ranges. And it'll, it'll, it really teaches you how well you can move your body. Mm -hmm. Um, but if you're looking to get into it, that kin stretch class would be one of the best ways to start. Um, but overall, FRC is just, it's, it's just trying to teach people how to be better humans. Mm-hmm. And then they can go on and do the other things they want to do. If you want to squat, if you want to deadlift, all those kind of things, then great. Let's make sure that you've got a hip that flexes, a knee that flexes, an ankle that dorsiflexes flexes if you want to squat. And that's how I kind of break it down when I do assessments. And it just kind of cleaned it all up when I can include that with MAT and RTS principles as mm-hmm. well. Yeah, I've uh, been thinking about that in the, um, what is it? Yeah, teaching in, I, well, first of all, I love the way you said joint workspace. That that That's a great way to put it. I can see that. The really other, underutilized. Yeah, I, I like that. And then the other thing was, um, oh, crap, what was it? Um, Sometimes I wonder if it, there's like a little bit too much focus on their internal, you know, structures. Like, mm-hmm. and it happens with MAT for sure. Like, yeah. um, because like we know um, on a evidence-based level that the more scans, the more MRIs, the more tests that we do, the more likely we are to ramp up our nervous system and basically scare ourselves into some type of pain or tightness, you know, but then Mm -hmm. we have like these really interesting ways to intervene, which include looking at the motion of one joint, you know, and, and like existing and working in this world has taught me one thing. Like you can change somebody's pain status in like 15 seconds. If, if it, if they're ready for it. The body's ready for it. Um, 15 seconds to, you know, 20 minutes, couple hours. There's no, um, you know, not everybody has the same experience uh, inside their body with pain and getting rid of it, um, all that, et cetera. So, um, yeah, I wonder if it, you know, the that system could, you know, hurt, not hurt people, but hurt their mindset in a little bit of a, you know, focusing too much on the inside. Um, how do you progress someone to, you know, um, feeling more confident with their body rather than, you know, humbling them <laughs> too much? I find, um, I find a lot of it depends on the actual practitioner themselves. Uh, we know when you get somebody on a table, our words can literally convince somebody they're broken in five minutes. I can convince somebody how destroyed they are and completely like ruin how they think about themselves in literally five minutes. I can see if I see like their hip doesn't rotate very well. I can yeah. do a bunch of rotational tests and they're going to all come up weak because they don't have a hip, right? Which means the muscles probably aren't going to do very well. And it's like, I can you know pull that leg up, test the rec them. And then it's like, oh man, that's, that's a tough one. You don't have, you're not too strong there, right? It's so easy to convince somebody that they're broken, right? So I think a lot of that really comes down to the practitioner themselves. Because I don't think it's, it's, it's any particular system that's going to make that process any better or worse. I don't think it's, the, I think it's how it's delivered by the actual person that's in front, the person of power in front of them. Because again, I've had a lot of people that have come to me who have gone to physios and, and all these other kind of things. And I'm not calling anybody out in particular because it's not, it's not, that's not what it is. It's more so just when somebody is has a dysfunction, they've had a trauma, whatever it might be, that person in front of them, they go see is somebody that they're going to be hanging on their every word. Um, mm-hmm. And it's like, I had a guy who's with, been with me now for about six months. He was in a really, really devastating car crash. 
uh, to the point that they had to take skin grafts from other areas of his body. Like he's just, he, he was told he would never walk without a walker for the rest of his life. He was doing physio for two years and they were just doing the same things over and over. They had him do his little stretches and his little exercises. And then he would go on on his day. And then he decided to come to the gym and just try to get a little bit stronger. He had no intentions of getting anything other than that. And then within our assessment, it's like, I was just talking to him and just hearing all the things that he said. And then I just showed him like how well his body actually can move and what it's physically capable of. And I was physically, I was, I was able to completely change his mindset in 30 minutes on that. And that's all we've done since then. He's, he's completely canceled his physio to the point that they're calling calling him wondering what is going on because of the fact Mm -hmm. that it's like, I've already got him walking without his cane. Like we've, we've so many other things. Like he was told he would get literally zero degrees of ankle dorsiflexion ever again in his ankle because he's got a plate in there and all these other kind of things. And we're expanding on that like weekly almost. And he can see it every, he's walking without his cane. He's doing all the things he wants to do again. And his mindset has completely changed purely on the fact of, of just, the verbiage that I've used, the way that I go about my treatments. And it's, it's just a matter of how you, how you present yourself over that client. I think like you could take any system you want and either make it good or bad based on, like I said, the practitioner itself. That's what I find. That's what I've heard because these are the stories that I've heard from people that have come to see me who have been through situations like that before where I've had to spend a, a little bit of time like like, uncon- like taking away what their, what their belief system is. Like they think they're broken. Because that's yeah, what they sure. hold, right? So mm-hmm. I think it's more like how you present it, really. Yeah, it is. I I took a course in uh, pain neuroscience, and you know, it's it that course alone, the information in within pain science should change the industry, <laughs> um, because. A lot of our language is um, from an assu- about the human body is on an assumption that you know it's it it breaks more than it rebounds. Yeah, exactly. If I had to sum up the uh, <laughs> the, the 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 history of us being sold that we're broken, exactly. Um, yeah, and I mean, I think like. It, then it would be important for me to say if I'm when I'm talking about MAT or if I were talking about uh, FRC or any other type of uh, exercise system that's aligned to so, to the empowerment of of the body, um, creating more resilient rebounds and yeah. strength that you know, it's not corrective exercise Mm -hmm. because I think like that's where 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 the conversation started. Like you're you're putting yourself into a different category and so am I than telling people there's something wrong with them and they have to do this program, buy this ball, do whatever, buy these sessions instead of, let's work with what you have and improve it because I know that, or we know collectively that there is so much change that can happen outside of the lines, outside of, you know, this predetermined paradigm. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. I, um, yeah. And then even within that, like something that's been coming up for me is, um, you know, how we cue people, even within within that, like, um, intention of what you just said, I still think we can get mixed and place a disbelief into the client without okay. even, uh, with even with the best intention. So the more that I have these conversations, the more I, like, talk here and, like, shut up in my sessions. <laughs> yeah. No, it's true, though. It's true, one hundred percent. Queuing, queuing tends to get often um, overused. I find, and I find a lot of that is it, again, like you said, it, it's confusing for clients when you have to tell them like ten different ways to or ten different things you want you want them to do just to do a squat. When it's really, it's like if I have if I if I have a, a human in front of me that moves well, I don't have to cue, right? 
So I tend, I tend to do kind of the opposite way where it's like, I'll have somebody just like show me a squat if that's what they want to get better at or be able to do or whatever it might be. Cause that's the test that we go with nowadays. Right. So I'll see how they perform it, see how their body figures it out. Uh, and then from that point, I'm not going to give them 10 different ways to make this better. Right. I'm, I mean, I can easily elevate your heels and, and like tell you to push your knees out and all these other kind of things just to make it look better. But it all it like, and, and this comes back to other stuff that I see on social media as well, where it's like, I see a lot of high level athletes that are doing these really complicated looking exercises, but they make it look so damn easy. <laughs> and it's one of these things that it makes the coach look amazing uh, because it's like, wow, look what he's got this NBA player doing. Like he like unreal, but they don't realize that they're, they're the genetic outliers. And it's like, when you have a body that moves well, if you ask somebody to do something like a squat, it just happens because they have a body that moves well. So when you have those things that you would need, again, like a squat, hip flexion, ankle flex, or ankle dorsiflexion, and knee flexion, and you have those things, you literally just say squat, and they will squat because their body doesn't have to figure out another path. They've already got everything they need to do that. So I'll say squat, and that's it. If I have somebody who doesn't move well, then they'll need like six, seven, or eight cues just to make it look okay, in which case all you're going to do is confuse the client because they don't know what you're asking. And the other thing that comes down to is setup of an exercise. If I'm doing like, like a, a row or something with somebody, um, if I have them biomechanically set up in a way that they need to be, I mm-hmm. don't have to tell them where to go. They know if I have them set up in the way that's going to load up like the rear delt or the ladder or whatever it might be that I'm trying to train then. And I just tell them to just go, it'll just happen. I don't have to cue them 20 different things. Yeah. It is like a Jack in a box effect when you can, yeah. <laughs> when you like I, yeah, I really don't cue that much in my exercise. Um, for myself, I might, which is probably why sometimes I really enjoy being in a class or having a trainer um, because I know so much about exercise. You'll overthink and, it. Yeah, and I think about it a little bit too much while I'm doing it. And I think I know that um, is detrimental to um, the real goal, which is like pumping up my ego and, um, building more muscle. Yeah. <laughs> um, what else, what else is in your toolbox? We, we, you know, we talked about some pretty cool things, uh, so far, what else do you use on a, like a, uh, weekly basis? So I, it, I mean, it, it always kind of comes down to who I have in front of me, right? I need to know, I'll always start with needs before wants, because at the end of the day, I can't take away needs, right? I can, I can, I can look at wants, but like if they want to do a squat, great. But if I have somebody who sits at a desk all for eight hours a day, I can't take those things away, which means I need to make sure that I've, they've, they've got what they need for what life is going to throw at them for every single day of their life. So if I have somebody who sits down all day in 90 degrees of hip flexion and never moves their spine and never goes any deeper than that, and they want to be able to squat, I have to make sure that you know, their hips are going to do what they need to do and everything like that just for the stressors of their job. So I need to understand, like, maybe we add in some 90 degree isometrics and things like that of hip flexion for where your body spends a lot of time. Because um, mm-hmm. one of the things that I talk about is there's, in, in my opinion, there's no such thing as a good or a bad posture. The worst posture is just the one you spend too much time in when your body <laughs> yeah. spends too much time there, right? That's yeah. when it's that's the only information it's getting, right? We tend to think that neutral spine is this amazing thing and you should never come out of it. But when you do, because life will take you there, something bad happens. Like I know like power lifters who can pull 600 pounds off the floor, but they break their back picking up a pencil off the floor because they went into flexion. So it's Mm. like, it's it's one of those things where it's like, you have to prepare for what life is going to be throwing at them. So that way they can do the things they want to be able to do in the gym. Uh, And unfortunately, I'm seeing a lot more people that just can't do basic things now. COVID definitely didn't help because people are obviously a lot more sedentary than they've been, right? And Mm -hmm. it's like as soon as our lockdown ended, people went right back to the gym. They're throwing that barbell right on their back, even though their shoulder doesn't externally rotate. They're pressing a bar over their head, even though they can't reach their arm over their head. And it's just I'm seeing a lot of just really broken people. Mm-hmm. So it's deep assessments. Every time I get somebody, I see how well they can move because that's, that's going to tell me right there. What do they do? Does their body do this movement? Well, does it borrow? Does it like to do other things? Um, and from that point, that's what pretty much guides my pathway is I'll do a lot of MAT testing. I'll do some cams. I'll do my FRAs on the table. I'll do my cars assessments, find out what they want to be able to do what they need to be able to do. And then I just kind of use all of those principles and, I, and everything like, and even RTS is all sprinkled in there with everything that I do. Mm-hmm. Just 
not following a specific procedure. I'm, I'm using the procedures, but I'm also using it critically and logically and coming to an informed kind of conclusion. So it's more so just there's certain things that I have, like in terms of go-tos and things like that, but it's not uh, a one-size-fits-all thing. Like I said, it's person-to-person what they need slash want to be able to do. Uh, and then just finding the tools that are going to give me the best possible way to get them to that. So like I said, it's person to person, right? It's more so. The yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I definitely want to go back to the pro athlete strength and conditioning topic. Um, if that's okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the main thing uh, that popped up for me when you were saying that <sighs> is some athletes don't move that well. No. <laughs> I got I could go for hours on this. The amount of injuries in the NFL and yeah. NBA and I I could go for days on this. Mm. Um I think there's yeah, but it also makes me think, you know, does does a lot of strength and conditioning just stem from um you know, three places, the popularity that the FMS had, then the combine, and then somewhere below that is like Russian kettlebell training. Right. <laughs> Somehow. I don't know. But. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, what, um, you know, if, if you had, so let's say this. So I've done some really fabulous fun work, uh, within combine training and as an MAT specialist, yeah, <laughs> not as a football player. Right. Um, and, uh, they, and, and so I know that most combines, soccer, football, et cetera. Um, I don't know if baseball does, they might, um, they use the FMS. So it's like you yep. have to practice it in a way because like you can practice hip flexion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, but you can also like, and, and so, and then there's this like need to like have the bench press. Some like really weird. <laughs> For some reason. I don't know. In case they're ever lying on their back on the football field and the lineman's on top of them, I have to press them off, make sure. I don't know. Yeah. Well, that, I mean, yeah, that, that, I guess they would call that functional. Um, so if you had two months, entertain me, please. (laughs) Um, tell me how you would prepare like, uh, um, for an event. You know what I mean? Like exposing it to the stress or whatever. I said too much. So it just, it just kind of depends what that event, what that event would entail, right? Like yeah. what kind of movements would I be doing, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like, it, it's, if I have some sort of specific event, I'm going to do as many things as possible that I'm going to, like in terms of positional that I'm going to be in, in those types of events mm-hmm. to make sure that my body is getting, like the nervous system is getting information where I'm going to be going. So but then I'll go to places. The cheapest cheating bench press ever, like like teach them the tricks, you know what I mean? Instead of like the perfect bench press, like teach. Never mind. Devil's advocate. Yeah, I'm. I'm trying to. Again, I ha- like this is a bias, obviously, that I have towards it, and it's, so it's, it's tough for me to remain uh, emotionless on this one, even though that's exactly what I spoke about at the beginning of this. <laughs> um, I don't know why those things are tested mm-hmm. or professional athletes when that doesn't have anything to do with their sport it's like we look at nobody bats an eye when we look at football players doing heavy power cleans and heavy squats and heavy bench presses and yet and and we we wonder like we we just assume that that makes them better on the football field but when Mm -hmm. we see like actual olympic lifters who compete in the olympics doing their lifts that they need to do for the olympics we don't question well, well how come they're not doing like lateral jumps and and all these things that all these football drills that football players do it's because that doesn't relate to what they actually have to do, mm-hmm. right? We, we nobody, nobody says anything about Olympic lifters who do or who do their own lifts. They're like, yeah, they're doing their lifts because that's what they have to do. That's what they have to demonstrate. But when it comes to professional athletes, we see them single leg box squatting and, and doing all these other things as if it somehow pertains to their sport. 
It's like when, when somebody's like, if, so, if you're getting tackled on a football field, you, rarely is it going to be in this perfect sagittal plane. You're going to be in some degree of hip rotation, knee rotation, ankle rotation, all these. And yet we purely train in these neutral positions. And I don't see how that pertains into the bench press, the squat, the deadlift, the power clean, all these kind of things. I don't see how those things really, it, it, it can, I'm not, I'm not saying they're useless. They obviously develop power and things like that. I just, I don't see, cause those are patterned exercises, which means every time you do them, you're stressing the exact same tissues over and over and over again, which is fine if you need those tissues to express strength. But mm-hmm. because of the, the variability of sports, you have to train for places that you don't expect to go because you're going to go there, especially something like football, mm-hmm. where, you, where you have somebody who's trying to push you off in a position of hip and knee rotation. They're trying to push like 300 pounds of force onto you. And if you've never gone there, your sagittal plane squat is not going to translate to force there because yeah. tissue, tissues don't have brains, right? They don't understand. All they understand is force. So if I never put force into those specific areas, I can't generate any. So you know, yeah. that's, that's my mindset. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think, um, yeah, no, like what I think what the, what if I, if I could read every, you know, uh, like-minded trainer out there in our tiny little circle in the fitness industry, it would be like train the tissue tolerance or develop the tissue tolerance. And, I think where you're going is like what I, what I think we like that corner of the fitness industry means is the muscle, but you're even going into some stretchy tissues like the tendons and the joint receptors. Yeah. All connective tissue. Yeah. Yeah. You know the, yeah, they are. So training, not just like, uh, so, but this is different than like just training quick movement to say you're going to get quicker. Right. Right. You're saying let's train in some even joint vulnerable positions and, mm-hmm. and just kind of say, you know, it is what it is. This is, this makes the most sense to me. It does. It might not look good, but um, the only thing that like looks good in like sports photography is like, you know, Jordans and like exactly. <laughs> and a couple golf swings here and there. You know what I mean? Like there's there's nothing ever symmetrical and pretty except in those like gorgeous catches from like a wide receiver, right? Yeah. Like they they make it look really sexy. But mm-hmm. everything in between is like not sexy. And no, not, not not like deadlift mm-hmm. has to be perfect, has to be pretty, have to fit in this box. Got it. Yeah, that's that, again, that, yeah. because at the end of the day, you're always going to regret, like, if you get injured, you're going to regret training, the, not training the tissues you got injured in or the position that you got injured in. So if you only train the same patternized places over and over again, you're only exposing those tissues to how to generate force. So mm-hmm. at the end of the day, you have to train for the variabilities of these places. I don't know we're just speaking about sports, but even just people in general, like everybody mm-hmm. just trains everything neutral, right? We're always taught to keep your spine neutral, do everything from a neutral position and, and all these kind of things, right? Make sure if you have to pick something up off the floor, make sure you hinge, don't dare bend into spinal flexion. Oh gosh. Yeah. Right? So it's like, and it comes back to everything that it's like people get hurt in spinal flexion because they don't go there. Not because the spine isn't supposed to go in flexion. If the spine wasn't supposed to go in flexion, it wouldn't go there. But it's because nobody does go there because of how good technology has gotten, how how easy it's made our lives. Mm. Nobody has to go there anymore. So when you go there, if you've never spent time there, then the nervous system doesn't know how to create force, which means some bad might happen just from picking up a pen or tying mm. your shoes or whatever it is. Um, hmm, I got a lot of stuff swimming up in my brain. I also... Um, Makes me think that that's why some that's one of the reasons um, some of the athletes I've worked with and myself have respond so well to Pilates. It's yeah. elongated, weird ass positions. So when you fail in Pilates, it feels like you're a flailing bird. It's not sex. It is not pretty. The Pilates version that I do and the few pictures that I post, <laughs> like nothing. <laughs> Nothing compared to the to you know um, the ballerinas in Midtown, Manhattan. Like it's just not there. 
<laughs> Anyways, um, so I'll just leave it at that. What I think like a good way to end this um, really fun conversation. I have a client coming in soon. Um, yeah. You, this is something I've been exploring as a um, as a educational study interest. Um, I've been I'm, I'm really excited. I'm co-authoring a course for Evidence in Motion, which is uh, pain science, nice. but it's like it's like exercise for medical professionals, which is like so yeah, exciting. Really, <laughs> yeah. yeah, so needed. And there's this concept that. Um, me and my fellow, uh, the co-author, have been playing with, which is um, a passive um, approach to your fitness and an active learner, I'd say active approach to your fitness, which would be like the active listener, the active learner, um, the autonomy-based. And then we have this like passive version, which I think like corrective exercise goes into give me the list of exercises, but it could also be like within the treatment paradigm, like the recovery paradigm, like rub this. Uh, See, yeah. What, um, what do you think people need to know if you agree with that? Like about being active and passive? So that, that was that was one of the um, things that I that I was going to talk about. You asked me how you, you know how you try to keep clients motivated and everything like that. And it's the biggest thing is educating clients on understanding these things. At the end of the day, if you can understand why you're doing something, you're going to appreciate it much much more. Which means you're going to do the things much much more rather than me giving you this list of exercises saying just do this. If you don't know why, you're not going to hold much weight in that. Right. So that's one of the easiest ways that I keep clients motivated is, is like, look at the change we made on you today. We did it by doing this because this is why this happens and, you know, so on and so forth. And you piece it all together. I teach clients all the time about anatomy, how these things move, how the nervous system works, all these things. So that way they can, they're like, yeah, that makes sense. I really woke up tight the other day and those are the kind of, and I realized that I didn't really move at all the day before. So it's like, when you actually educate and teach people, that's what makes the difference. And that's what I found the people who have come to me who have had bad experiences never got. They got their 15, 20 minute treatment, whatever it was, they sat there, they did their exercises and they were gone, which gives you no feeling of empowerment or anything. It keeps the client feeling broken, which is what makes the the industry keep going back and forth, which gives you a repeat customer, somebody who never gets any better or any Mm. smarter which means they only feel good until they see that person again. So it keeps them there, right? My goal with people is to teach them how to move their body to the point that they do not need me anymore because they understand how to do these things and appreciate these things. That's where the industry should go. In my, That's a good sales tactic. (laughs) It is in a way. I mean, I I would call it that, but I mean, it is, it's, it's, it's also like a philosophy, right? It's, um, I, you know, I, I think uh, there's, I, I'm just so proud of this podcast to be, to, that's, that's the message. You know, I'm so proud of this thing yeah. because, and I, I, and I wouldn't be so proud if pe- like people are re- downloading this all over the freaking world. And mm-hmm. uh, I'm, you know, over the moon whenever I hear about clients becoming more autonomous, more in charge and feeling freedom um, because I, I also think like the alternative to, you know, what, what you just said, um, you know, what you went through, what people go through as far as like purchasing over and over and over again, is that I think the COVID, the lockdown, this whole 2020 upheaval, uh, onslaught has shown where those things are obvious in, in plain light. Versus before Definitely. it was like just kind of scattered in our messiness and our busyness. And now you're like, yeah, I have to do the shit it. that matters. Yeah. And I, I'm, that's one of the things I'm really grateful for in this whole uh, onslaught. I call it the 2020 onslaught. Um, because I, I just, I, I get really excited when, other people like start seeing exercise in that way, you know? Yeah. (sighs) Um, Is there anything interesting that you're planning for 2021 as far as studying or whatever? What are, what's your gorgeous dog doing? Uh, (laughs) Why is it? Why isn't your dog here? (laughs) 
Yeah, the one highlight that uh, that I have so far is like it's, it's the one good thing that, that you have right now, right? So it's the one reason you are okay yeah. to stay home is because of the fact that you have that mm-hmm. there with you, right? Um, of course, it's, it's like I, I want to dive deeper into their FR, which is functional range mm-hmm. release, uh, which is getting deeper into manual therapy and palpation. I just want to get better at my palpation um, techniques as well and understand what their perspective is uh, as a, 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 for what it is as well, just to kind of combine mm-hmm. it all together. Um, that's pretty much where I'm at right now with starting with functional range release, uh, which I believe is coming up in January. It's all kind of online stuff. It is what it is. It's it's obviously not as good in person when you can't palpate somebody physically, but, um, that's kind of where we're at. So hopefully 2021 allows us to go back into person so that way you can actually get some clinical experience Mm -hmm. with this kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, that's Mm -hmm. about, that's about it. What, uh, what do you read for like your own self-development outside of muscles and joints and all the electrical components of the body. I mean, don't be, I'm, I'm totally obsessed with all my work. So I, I'm not ashamed to say I spend almost 24 seven doing some type of self-improvement, um, <laughs> tarot cards or some kind of exercise or <laughs> feeding myself. So, you know, that's, <laughs> that's, that's why this place exists. <laughs> Essentially, yeah. It's it's. I spend most of like I mean, it's it's it all it's it comes back to the people that I found were the most influential. So it's like I listen to a lot of uh, Dr. Andrea Spina, mm-hmm. things like that. Uh, people that are involved in the functional range thing because I like I ultimately I'd like to get into sports mm-hmm. therapy because I find that that's where I can really make a big difference because like I said, there's there's more injuries than ever, and with the amount of information and technology we have, we should be going in the opposite direction. And yet now we're going to load management and all these things with, with injuries of these multi million dollar players every week. And then I and then I see their rehab, and I, like I see a guy doing band walks for the LA charge, like for the like he's doing band after he after he messed up his hamstring and something in his knee. I can't remember what he did with his knee, but he's doing like lateral band walks, and it's like this stuff kills me with how much money they spend mm-hmm. on that. I put a lot of energy into that kind of stuff nowadays. That's where I want to get to because that's where I feel like this industry needs a big change. No, we, for some reason, they just follow the status quo. Like, that's it. You're hurt. Mm-hmm. Okay. Let's just do what we need to do. And let's wait until you get hurt again and follow the exact yeah. same thing. So that's pretty much where I'm spending a lot of my energy right now is sports therapy, because that's what uh, ultimately that what I want to get into, because that's where I really find I can, I can just go, like I said, for hours when mm-hmm. it comes to those topics. Yeah. It's, um, I get, I, I, I'm also after this year, I mean, I've always been, um, really active in sports therapy and like athletic training, but after this year, I was like, that's where I belong. I really enjoy it. You know, um, I had some unique experiences during COVID with professional athletes and seeing behind the curtain a little bit. And it was scary. Like it was, um, yeah there were athletes, you know, hurting major tendons during their warm-ups and, um, yeah. And they're just told to just kind of go out and play, right? They're yeah. Stuff yeah. I mean, it got, it just has gotten so complicated too. You know, I, I, I am hoping the, the conversation goes from like data collection and load management. Cause I think that's what you meant. Like it's the, they look at load management yeah. as a, as a, as a team or, who knows, but data collection, like going away from that and actually going into more mindfulness training and like, um, sleep training, right. sleep hygiene, I don't yeah. know there's sleep training, sleep hygiene. And, um, and being a more, being more of a physical specimen than, you know, just spending your money on like, or not at all, just like not knowing even what to do. Cause that, that's what sometimes like with yeah. some of the pro athletes, that I've worked with, um, they've gotten used to being told what to do. And then they, when they're not being told what to do, like they have, you know, it's, it's like a boom or bust. They're, they're just like not going to do it. So there's that whole, yeah, exactly. that's a whole nother subject. Um, <laughs> yeah, all right. Bit, well, yeah. I got to run. This was great. I had so much fun. Um, I love you too. I yeah, really enjoyed what? Good. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, it's, it's, um, it's fabulous. I want to, you know, continue to grow this thing. Hey guys, thanks so much for hanging out with Grant and I for that 
thought-provoking and fun conversation. And I guess it's important to say that I really love talking to my friends in the strength and conditioning field, as well as the friends who have taken the RTS program. So I want to just mention that for a second. And that is at exerciseprofessional.com where you will see Tom Purvis, who has an incredible mind and he is really good at helping all of us collectively challenge what you think you know. And that is one of the keys to being successful in this whole entire industry because it is, oh, don't get me started. I mean, you already heard (laughs) so much of this already. So I'll just say, if you really want to dive deep into that, check out exerciseprofessional.com. But also I really want to make sure that you guys are checking out the fitness for consumption episodes. So far as of December 13th, we have published six of those episodes and it's a unique podcast series. It is from Gregory Gordon and Dr. Paul Juris, who have over 50 years of experience in academic, clinical, and science-based exercise, teaching, learning, and practical application. So their conversations are designed for being information-rich and educational. And I thought that pairing it with these more casual conversations about how we think in the fitness industry was a beautiful synergy because it's it's like how do you use your toolbox, right? How do you present your thoughts and qualifications and skills and make the best things happen for your clients or for yourself. So I really encourage you to check out that series at thinkfitbefitpodcast.com slash F4C fitness for consumption. And so the goal is for you to take this knowledge and apply it to your own exercise so that it can feel good, work well, and give you the freedom that comes from installing a strong system for working out for going to physical therapy, for managing your health at any stage. This is such important stuff. In any case, knowledge when applied with principles is very powerful because trying to apply someone else's program without the science and logic of how we move will result in mediocre results, maybe even a waste of time or worse, an injury. Join us for these 10 episodes. We've already published six on the intelligent and academically based human movement science content that you can use in your exercise immediately. I would also encourage you to, of course, sign up for the newsletter at thinkfitbefitpodcast.com. Leave us a review, tell us what you're learning, or engage with us on social media. I look forward to hearing from you and what you've been learning and how you've been moving and shaking. (laughs) Have a great week.